When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to XYZ, the podcast about CNC, automation, robotics, business, and more. My name is Nick Frank. I'm one of the owners of Frank Brothers Guitar Company, and I'm joined by my pal and co-host, Aaron Goff of Goff Custom Knives. What's happening, baby? Oh, doing pretty good. I'm feeling feeling a bit sick today. I think I might have um, I gambled on, on some food out of my fridge last night, and I might have lost that bet. Uh-oh. Yeah. Can you uh, elaborate or is it too painful to relive that memory? <laughs> well, I made some like I've been working on my Aussie style meat pies. Um, you guys do love your meat pies. We, we really, really do. And I've been sorely lacking in, in the meat pie department since I moved to Canada. So I decided I'd try making them myself. And last night I found one in the fridge and I was like, oh, I'd forgotten about this. And <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was good. But yeah, not so sure about that. Ew. Um, there's some like there's that one place that's straight up does just Aussie meat pies. Um, yeah, there's two places, the Pie Commission in Toronto. Two places yes, in Toronto. Pie Commission. Pie Commission place. and Kanga. King, yeah. Um Kanga is legit. Pie Commission only had one chance to impress me, and they didn't impress me. Oh that's by over by Atlas Tools. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> They have a lot of very fancy pies on their menu, mm. which is not a good sign. You should be right. able to just, it's its like, you know, an ice cream place not having vanilla. Uh, it's also like, uh, you know, when you like go to a poutine place, if you're not mm. Canadian, maybe you, you don't know about this. Chips and um, gravy. And yeah, and cheese curds. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if, if everything is like pulled pork poutine or like mm. nacho poutine. Uh, you know, it's yeah. it's all about just the the original. Yeah. Plus, there's a very particular way that a meat pie is supposed to be served. It's supposed to be served in a boot. You know, in a boot, exactly. It's supposed to be served hot, but not too hot. And they gave oh. me a pie straight out of the oven. I didn't realize that until I bit into it, burnt myself, and then covered myself in like, you know, boiling hot gravy because the inside of a pie is really liquid when it's hot. It has sure. to cool down a little bit to, to solidify. So yeah, they didn't, they didn't impress me. So anyway, I've been making my own, my own pies and they're going great. But um, yeah, I, I took that bet and lost last night. So uh, if I go real quiet and then run away, it's probably because <laughs> I shit myself. So. Oh God. <laughs> Welcome to XYZ, the podcast about CNC automation, pies and uh, Aaron's yeah. underpants. Involuntary bowel movements. <laughs> cool. Nah, it's not, okay. It's not well, that bad. It's all good. So how are you doing, mate? What have you been up to this week? Uh, I've been responding to a lot of emails. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, I let them, I let them build up again. I feel like I talked to, we talked about this th- the other yeah. week and I was like down to three emails in my inbox. Right. Oh man. The people, they just keep responding back. <laughs> yes emails beget emails that's for sure yeah and um i've been hustling through uh getting some guitars uh through woodwork to try to catch up like because um it's kind of like the ryan who does the the um like he takes it from my more raw state like he gets a fully fully made guitar but right. has to sand it carve the neck fret it there's lots to do, but it's one, that's a one, you know, he can only do one guitar at a time right? and it takes him about a day to do one guitar, to take it through okay. that stage. So I'm trying to just, I just try to keep him like fed one guitar a day. Yeah. Keep his cue full. Yeah. That's my goal. I'd love to get ahead of that. And I, I, I was at a certain point and then fell back behind. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm getting back into that, but I had one guitar. This is, it was totally bizarre. Um, I'd 
you know, there's a bunch of, you know, like our, our part gets flipped back and forth, back and forth. So like the, the body. Right. But I'd installed the neck um, and then flipped it, uh, routed the back binding. And then the next day I went to go cut it out and there was an alignment issue. The top binding and the back binding were misaligned. So the guitar scrapped yeah. and I cannot figure out why. Hmm. It's a, it's the same program we've run. There's no changes to the program. Yeah, and it's not like the machine is continuing to cut off alignment. I well, it, I mean, I, I have another one to cut out, um, but uh, so we'll see. <laughs> that, <laughs> right. The issue right. persists, which would be bad. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm hoping <laughs> that I fucked up somewhere. Yeah, that that's like, probably the best case scenario. That would be the best case scenario. Because right. um, the other scenario is somehow the machine lost some steps or something. I don't like. This is on the Haas, right? Yeah. Nah, yeah, Haas, they don't have steps. So you, okay. you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. True. It's servos. But yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, I, like it got maybe like. Um, yeah, it could have like if you're turning the machine on and off. Um, yes. Yeah, at nights, then maybe it, it lost its home position. Yes, somehow, that's or, that was yeah. my concern. The yeah. homing issue. Um, so now it's making me rethink, like, do we need to do, do we just need to have a datum that we probe every time we start sort of like an, uh, like I I'm trying to around that you're, you're planning around the assumption of failure, which I don't think is a good idea because, you know, you have a nice machine tool and it, it should, and most likely is working fine. You know, I would, I would. I wouldn't waste time thinking about it until you see it happen twice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So chalk it up to the molecules, the nuclear molecules in the air again. Yeah, exactly. You're you're a big dummy. Uh-huh. It's all your fault. And I hope so, man. Nice. I'm, you know, like I'm not a machinist. And uh, like when I, I'm really, I really am ca- counting on the machine to work. Yeah, you know, most machinists do too, right? So you're still under warranty. You'll be fine. Not worth it. Oh, don't even bring warranty into this. They're going (laughs) to look at all that wood dust in there and be like, oh, yeah, (laughs) it's the wood dust. There's your problem. Yeah. (laughs) Are you running coolant? Maybe try running coolant. This is like Mm. the problem we had with uh, axes. Every time we had an issue, they would be like, are you using VCarve Pro? Which (laughs) is like the software they sell for like making signs. Yeah. And we'd be like, no, why would that matter? <laughs> it should take commands and do them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I actually, um, I texted you the other day because I was I found a guy local to me who was selling six Fidal 3016s. Yeah, and, that's, your, um, that's your jam. Yeah, that really would be my jam. Those are really beefy machines. They're boxway machines rather than being oh, really? rail machines. Yeah. And even though, so my current machine is... Uh, the X and Y is 20 by 16. Right. Um, these machines are 30 by 16, hence the name. But even though they've only that, you know, extra 10 inches of travel, they weigh more than twice as much. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they're 10,000 RPM spindle with like a, um, a kind of a belt gearbox. So it doesn't have gears. It has like dual belts that get engaged selectively. Okay. Uh, spindle chiller, core cooled ball screws on on a lot of them. Um, spindle chiller wow yeah yeah they're like really really serious machines they're probably the uh most rigid machine that fidel made um but yeah i i mean i thought initially that he was selling them for like 14 grand for three and i was like well i mean at that price i will overcome any hurdles to buy them you know but yeah, that's not the case. He he wanted 14k for one and I was like, oh, that's pretty steep for the condition that you're showing me in these photos, you know." Right. And now he's saying, "Oh, he'll take 9-ish, you know, but it's at that price, you know, hopefully I'll be in a house and a new shop later in the year, but it still means I'd have to store them between now and then. So I'd have to rig them twice, you know, into storage mm-hmm. and then to the new place. So that's like three grand four grand gone right there probably and then storage in between you know it might be five or six hundred bucks a month in toronto god knows oh, so yeah. yeah 
yeah, I'm not sure that it's worth it right now. Hmm. Well, maybe if he continues to ask for $14,000, he won't find a buyer and he'll still have them by the time you yeah. have your place. Maybe. That's maybe. Steep. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. For, you know what? If it was one of those machines like in mint condition, then 100% 14K no problem. But it was like, um, you know, these machines have a lot of chip scale, which means they've been used a lot. You know, there's not much paint on the inside of the enclosures. They're mm-hmm. all super dirty. Um, you know, like no no effort was made to clean them up for photos at all. Right. Um, you know, I will say they do come with vices and tooling. Each one comes with three oh. Kurt vices and tooling, which is, that by itself like, is, is worth like a fair chunk. Tool holders? Yeah, a whole bunch of them. Are they in decent condition? No, probably not. <laughs> That's a consumable too. I feel like that those yes. tool holders have been used for twenty years. Yeah, exactly. Probably maybe not not the greatest. So despite I said I said to my girlfriend, I was like, I did a bad thing. She's like, What's that? And I was like, I went on Kijiji. <laughs> you know. So despite my temptation, I think I'm going to pass those by for the moment. Um Yes. Yeah. I think that's probably wise. More mills. More mills, the better. It's like part one of the funnest parts of uh, owning a business is getting to buy fun tools. Yeah, until you're broke and then you're like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to put them to work. Yeah, that's exactly. That's the hard part. Oh, boring. Don't do that bit. <laughs> um, so how's everything else going in your shop? Good. I've been um, making some like prototype stuff this week. Not prototype knives, unfortunately. Prototype process stuff. I sent you a uh-huh. photo of it. I'll have to post it on. Yes, our that looked very pretty. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Really so I've nice been making surface finish. It's not bad. It's not perfect, but it's pretty. From good. the the phone photo you sent me, I thought I thought it looked pretty shiny. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um. Yeah, so I've been making a prototype of a thing called a Prench uh, Quest. Oh my God. Quench? Quench Press. So, you know, a lot of knife makers um, do what they call plate quenching, where you you basically take your your hot blade and you put it in between two, you know, plates of aluminum and that like sucks the heat out of it like a heat sink. Mm -hmm. It's, I think it's equivalent or comparable at least to the speed of like quenching in oil. But you also get the option to kind of use the plates to hold the blade flat right. to make sure that it quenches flat and evenly. Um, and that's that's great. I, that's what I do for my A2 tool steel. I just I have a pneumatic press. The problem is I'm I'm moving to a, I well hoping to move to stainless steel. And this particular stainless I'm using, I need to quench it really fast, like way faster than I quench my A2. And, and the why problem is. That? is with normal stainless steels, the more chromium they have in them, the slower they need to be quenched. You don't usually have to quench them super fast. But this one is a relatively low carbon stainless steel, which means that its hardening response isn't very strong. So in order to get it to high hardness, you have to quench it really quick. Um, and that includes doing uh, like a sub-zero treatment or a cryogenic treatment right after quenching as well. So... Um, Basically, what I found was if I just uh, plate quench this steel in between two blocks of aluminum, then the aluminum plates heat up. And so rather than coming all the way down to room temperature, it just kind of, you know, stops at like 100 degrees Celsius because the the aluminum doesn't have any more ability to absorb heat. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So basically, I'm making this thing that's uh, a pneumatic press. So it applies 700 pounds of force onto two big kind of movable plates. And then each of those plates is actually two parts. And they're each one inch thick aluminum that's been machined. And they have a water cooling channel cut onto the inside of it. So I'm actually going to be recirculating um, uh, like super chilled coolant through the plates um, and when I say super chilled, it'll be about minus 20 Celsius. So I'll be able to actually quench the steel all the way to below zero in, you know, well under a minute. Like it's going to happen pretty damn fast once it goes in there. So how are you, how are you chilling the, um, the coolant? coolant? Um, basically I'm, I'm going to buy a chest freezer 
So one of those like upright freezers. Uh-huh. And then in there, I'm going to have um, a really big block of salt water ice. So basically it'll be um, the salt content will be calibrated so that it freezes at like minus 15, something like that. Okay. And then I'll, I'll circulate uh, propylene glycol or ethylene glycol, like an antifreeze solution through that ice block um, to get the, the circulating coolant down to below zero. Okay, so you'll like run a line through into this, like what bucket of water or something, ice, uh, and then freeze yeah, it. Yeah, uh, yeah, basically. Yeah, that's nifty. So what, what's yeah. going to be? Is there going to be a pump then? Yes. Yeah. The um, it's I'm kind of proud of the design. Actually, it's it's one of the more complicated things I've had to design. But the quench press actually has. So on the front of it, it has like a switch and that switch actually actuates the pneumatics. So it turns the cylinders on and it also controls an outlet on the back of the device. So I can turn on an external pump with that same switch. Um, So then it'll start circulating the coolant as soon as it's, you know, squishing the steel and then off we go. So yeah, it's uh, not a cheap device to make, even just in materials. Like I ordered the um, the sheet metal, uh, ink, like I'm having some sheet metal water jet cut and then um, bent on a press break for cool. the the top part of it. Um, yeah, which is super cool. First time I've ever done sheet metal, so we'll see how that works. Yeah, um, did you send them uh, like a, a CAD file? Yeah, yeah, I sent them. Yeah, I sent them. Um, flat patterns for each of the uh four unique sheet metal components um and did they need any special indicators or you know like when you get printing done you kind of have to have like the die lines and stuff yeah die lines um actually fusion is super nice for this so like fusion has like a sheet metal mode and then you can create a a flat pattern automatically from the sheet metal you know design that you come up with and you just choose which part of this the sheet metal is kind of your your base and then it automatically unfolds everything and marks the radius and the center line of all of the the bends for you oh crazy yeah so hopefully that'll be enough info for them to go off because i did spring for stainless 16 gauge stainless sheet for this so what were the other options uh just hot rolled steel sheet okay. like uh normally it'd be like hot rolled pickle and oiled which is like kind of a matte texture mild steel mm-hmm. um which is fine but it only really looks nice if you paint it you know so right. stainless would be oh it's gonna look sick extra shiny so yeah i take a little bit of a gamble doing that on my first sheet metal part but how much more is once. it for the sheet for the stainless uh like 30 bucks so it went from 70 to like 105 Oh, okay. Well, yeah, not that bad. Yeah. Honestly, it's pretty reasonable for like something that's a one-off, you know, yeah. like they're just I'm cutting actually... one of each of these and, and bending it. And how big is decent. it? Uh, it is 13 inches deep um, and just over a foot tall. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So the individual panels are like kind of 12 by 12, um, yeah. 12 by not... 6, that kind of size. Yeah, that's going to be wicked. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's a pretty complicated build. Like the the simplest machine component is two operations, and the most complex is six. Wow. Because um, I mean they're basically prismatic parts. They're like rectangular prism, but they're machined on all six sides. And one of the parts actually has like um, features like bolt holes and stuff right. on all six sides. You know, right. and I, I tried to do my best to avoid that, but it just couldn't really be done. So. Right. Well, so how are you referencing when you make when you like flip those parts? Uh, just off the previously machined surfaces. Okay. Like pins or something? No, no, just on the because they're you know it's. Basically oh, you're just like going off of one. Yeah, yeah, one edge, one corner. One, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, because gotcha. I, you know, I'm not. These aren't aerospace parts, right? I don't need to hold, you know, half a half a thou or whatever. Even though I probably am, you know, like locating off that that same machined surface you know as you flip it around it's not a big mm-hmm. deal right uh that's really cool yeah so I'll, I'll post a photo of it on instagram it's 
it's going to be a pretty crazy little thing, you know, like it, it I, I don't know. It's, it weighs like 30 something pounds, even though it's like <laughs> the size of like a big toaster. You know? Right. So I'm very excited to see the results coming out of that. I've previously tested the faster quench just by, um, I did like a very, well, not very dangerous, slightly dangerous two-step quench process where I, uh, you know, took the steel out of the furnace, put it in between two room temperature um, plates of aluminum until it was, you know, for like 20 seconds or whatever, get most of the heat out of it, and then put it in between two refrigerated plates uh, of aluminum that had been in the freezer. Okay. Um, and the results were pretty good. I think if I can, you know, do it faster and more consistently, then more right. better. Uh, plus, you can cool your meat pies with this soup, soup, and flatten them, the and flatten time. the shit out of them. Yeah, very, very flat. <laughs> so, are you are you sticking with the Arbor Press, like, or is this part of the mechanism? Is is the the squishing? Yeah. There's uh, three air cylinders in it, three two inch oh, okay. bore air cylinders. So there's like wow. 160 bucks worth of air cylinders in it. This thing keeps evolving in my mind, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Getting a fuller picture, it's just sounding more impressive so it's relatively narrow it's it's um three and a half inches wide the plates and then it's 12 and a half inches deep and along that depth there are three uh air cylinders arranged in a line uh-huh. um and so between those three they provide uh 750 pounds of force at like uh, 90 psi 100 psi okay um it, and then did you I make it just going with sorry sorry go ahead I could have just used one bigger cylinder, but it just kind of like made things way more awkward. And the price was about the same. I think it was actually cheaper to go with three smaller ones. Right. And I mean, I suppose there's a fail safe element maybe. Eh. No. Okay. Eh. Um, did you make it this size so that you could use, you could use it for the, the kitchen knives as well? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the big things that's kind of been holding me back is, in terms of like um, starting to get production up on, on the stainless steel, because I just don't have any way to quench. Like I can quench one at a time to kind of this standard using, you know, stuff from around my shop, but I can't do it, you know, over and over again. So um, if this quench press prototype works, then I'll probably end up with a couple of them so that I can use them all at the same time. Yeah. One of those things, I, it's probably going to cost me, it's like my sharpening rig. You know, my sharpening rig cost me way more money than I would like to admit. But I've <laughs> never, ever regretted that money. Yeah. You know, it just works. I, I kind of want the same thing out of out of these guys. Um, no, 100%. Like, I, I um, this is, like, not the same, but similar <laughs> in terms of, like, purchasing equipment. I bought... A, sand, a new sander maybe two years ago mm. and I got it was five grand but if I'd spent 12 I would have been I would have had a way better sander right but I didn't because this was less than half the price but it's just right. not that fun to use <laughs> right yeah yeah and if I just forked out the extra money I probably would have would just be happier Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the doing the sheet metal on this is actually kind of a dry run also for the automated sandblasting cabinet because nearly all of that is sheet metal. Right. Um, and I think it probably has to be stainless as well because the issue is if you media blasting stainless steel inside a cabinet that's made out of carbon steel or mild steel, then the media that you're using picks up contamination from the cabinet and then embeds it into the surface of your stainless steel. Right. Um, so you like need, the shops, you that, need the, the, um, like the box to be as hard as the material. Uh, not as hard as corrosion resistant. Like it needs okay. to have, you know, similar level of chromium. Um, I think at least I might be able to get away with using carbon steel, but I'm not sure if it's worth it. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. So, but yeah, that'll all be like a laser cut and, and bent sheet metal parts and then welded up. So it, 
this is a, a good uh, trial run for it. Oh, so sorry, they laser cut it, not water jet. Sorry, it was water jet. Yeah, this time I'm using water jet. Um, okay. It's interesting, actually. I, I contacted two of my kind of regular metal suppliers to, I bought a whole bunch of materials, um, both for the quench press and I'm making a new set of vacuum fixtures. Um, and one of them was like, you know, only 60% of the cost of the other one. Wow. Um, and I've used them before and they were really good. And these guys have a water jet and a press break in house. And so you can buy like blocks of aluminum from them. You can buy, you know, steel or they can water jet stuff for you and, and put it through the press break, which is, that's really handy having a place like that around. Which place is that? Uh, they called Mr. Metal in downtown. Mr. Metal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I talked to that guy once or one yeah. of the people there. Nice. Yeah, I've been dealing with Darren, super responsive dude. Like I've had quotes back within five minutes. Yeah, I I had that experience uh, too. But um, yeah. so it was when we were putting the Haas down. Mm. Um, they oh we, right, you wanted those spreader. spreader yeah, we did, we ended up putting it on like twelve inch by twelve inch. Like each foot sits on a twelve inch by twelve inch plate right. of what is it? Half it? It's like three quarter inch thick. Right, seven eight thick steel. Um, big boys and yeah they're thick and wide uh so <laughs> i i needed that like immediately right um and he was super quick with this quote but he was like we just can't get it to you that fast right. but they were willing to like drive it over here yeah um yeah I ended 100%. Up metal supermarkets i ended up they ended up just doing it and i got it i as i drove back i drove picked it up and then drove back to the shop and just as they were about to sort of like place the machine down, you guys slipped them under. <laughs> right. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, that's, that's sweet. So sorry, the, um, the people that have that in, in house, Mr. Metal were not yeah. the cheapest or they were the cheapest. They were the cheapest. Significantly. Oh yeah. That so makes a lot of sense. Well, but this was just for like aluminum plate and stuff, you know, oh, uh, so not I was going to order. Not for yeah, the, like the, the processed materials. Yeah, and I ended up going with them just because, like, I'm already, I've got an order in with them anyway, so I may as well just add to it, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, just for like a whole bunch of aluminum plate and stuff, they were like 550 bucks, and the other guys that I contacted were like 750. I was like, hmm. what? I'm like, that doesn't make any different any sense. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I don't know. Supply chain things are crazy right now. Maybe Mister Metal's got a better hookup. I guess so. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I'm super excited too, to get that uh, vacuum fixture done for machining on my G10. That's, that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a lot of money on steel today on metal, I should say today. So how do you get it? Do they ship it to you? Yeah. They just, they drive it. They deliver it. 10, 10 bucks to bring it over. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. It's not, it's super nice. I'm going to miss that when I'm living out in the country. That's for sure. Yeah. But you'll have a car then. Yes. In My girlfriend actually bought her first car the other day. So oh, we are sick. Yeah, we are like set up to go look at houses and stuff now, which is awesome. That's excellent. Um, and so did she always have a license or did she went and got No, that's a that's a recent thing too. Yeah, so, so I have to get mine as well, but I, I'm way back further back in the process than she is. Like she had her G1 already or something? Yeah, yeah. She we have a tiered years. system in, in Toronto or Ontario. So you have to yeah. get your... You're, you have to go write a test, and they from based on that test, they give you a G1 uh, license, yeah. and that means you can drive with somebody else that has a license, and mm-hmm. you have to hold that for a year or so before you can apply yeah. for your G2, which means you can drive by yourself, but not have you can't have a single drink, zero um, uh, alcohol blood yeah. in your blood. Um, and what other what other rules are there? There's some like weird rules. If you're under 18, you can't have, or if you're under passengers. 21 or something, you can't have passengers after a certain time at night. It's yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah, but she has her G2 now, and she ended up getting a very nice um, Honda Fit, a used hey, Honda nice. Fit, for a completely reasonable price, especially given that uh, used cars are like super expensive right now. Yeah, and Hondas are good quality vehicles. Yeah, this thing looks like it's brand new. It's crazy. Damn. That's yeah. that's awesome. Well, so yeah, it's maybe. it's we're we're moving. We're making moves. You know, one yeah, step at a time. That's good to hear. 
we did also find an awesome house the other day, which uh, then immediately sold for like $250,000 over what they'd asked, mm. listed it for. In, in which Bob is, Cajun? Uh, that was in Minden, Ontario. Um, and yeah, the market here at the moment is just insane. Oh, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Like they listed this place for 500 and it went, you know, obviously that price was bait. They knew what they had. But apparently they got 31 offers in less than a week and it ended up selling for, I don't know the exact price, but my understanding is it was like 250K over asking. Holy <laughs> you know, shit. Like, yeah, that's nothing. I mean, like there are houses bananas. in my neighborhood going for $600,000 more than asking. Yeah, which is a house, it's just crazy. A house that would have sold for under a million now is selling for 1.5, 1. 1.6. That's nuts. absolutely brutal. Um, yeah, so let's not speak about this too much. I'm going to get fucking depressed. <laughs> You'll find a place. I mean, this is why I have to go get a software job just to afford a fucking house in the country. <laughs> you know? I know. Well, this is the thing. Ontario in, in general is just expensive. You got to go way north yeah. to like, you know, it's not just Toronto. Yeah, but it's kind of everywhere now. You know, That's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not but, just Toronto. Yeah, but I mean, my my um, siblings in, in Australia, oh. they're not like having a better time. You know, right. everywhere is fucked. Australia is expensive, isn't it? It's an expensive. Is it expensive? Or yeah, isn't it? Is it, 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 it is an expensive place to live, isn't it not? Um, it's. I would say it's comparable to Canada, but the minimum wage in Australia is better. Right. Right. So, uh, plus you get like the. I think the minimum statutory vacation is like four weeks. Oh man! You know, like I would say overall affordability is about the same, but I think that the um kind of labor laws are a little bit better right um yeah it's it's crazy man we're all getting we're all getting fucked oh yeah yeah uh well um fingers crossed i'm sure it'll get a little work out yeah it's exciting regardless mm-hmm. and uh you'll buy a house and then in like a year later you your neighbors will be buying houses for double. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <coughs> Speaking of uh, while Nick dies over there, I got a dry throat here. Oh no. Mm. Um, I had uh, someone write in and ask me to point them to that uh, cheap five axis machine that we were talking about just before Christmas. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? I do actually. I think I communicated with that person as well. Oh, okay. So it turns out that that fucking machine is bait. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never 100%. clicked on the actual link. Well, I clicked on the link. And even on the for sale page for that, it shows the, the five axis machine. And then it shows a price of $500. But it turns out that's just for like the enclosure. You have to like, you know, go through the options or something to find the actual machine. When you click on that, oh, it's 4500 Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. It's expensive. Yeah. Yeah, so, that was bullshit. Yeah. So sorry, everyone that thought they were getting a five-axis CNC for five hundred bucks. No, yeah, because then at that point, that. it's like I don't even care if this thing sucks. It's just make some five-axis parts be a cool <laughs> really learning tool. Ones. Yeah, real. Yeah, shit. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, yeah, so that was that was a bit sad, but it is what it is. We did have a lot of people. Uh, well, a lot, a, relatively speaking, for us because we're not that popular. But we did have quite a few people write in uh, telling us their goals. Oh, that's nice. Uh, so let me just pull some of those up real quick here. Oh, this is what happens when you listen to amateur podcasts. You have to wait while we do things. <laughs> I'll, I could just keep. I could do some more coughing into the mic. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Um, just yeah, JF, JF Gunworks, who sent us, uh, sent me a video quite a while back of his super cool converted CNC mill. Oh, neat. Uh, he wrote in to flex on me. He said he has the same goals as I do. He's just a bit ahead. Oh, shit. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. So, yeah, he sent us some awesome photos of his shop uh, that he just built. Um, he's kind of north of us in Ontario. And, yeah, it looks awesome. Um, I was asking him, like, if you were going to do it again, what else would you do differently? What would you do the same? You know, um, unfortunately, he didn't have a lot of helpful feedback. So, <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. I really, really appreciate that. No, I mean, it's hard to know. Like, you know, I feel like there's a big list 
that I've come up with over the years of things that I absolutely need when I build my own shop. And I feel like by, by the time I actually build my own shop, I'm going to forget half of it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of it is sort of um, that experience that you just have is just ingrained in you, though. And you'll just you'll just sort of like have the second sense when you're um, when you're actually designing the shop. Yeah, I guess so. I will say, okay, so uh, for the foundation, like for the slab, uh, rebar, a hundred percent. A lot of rebar, okay. plus uh, fiber reinforcement. You can actually mix in fiber with the yes, concrete, yeah, that's so which cool. helps really reduce cracking. Um, and then there's this awesome product called a concrete densifier. So it's this liquid that's like very inexpensive, actually, and you just pour it all over the concrete, and it soaks in, and then it actually becomes uh, sand. But it becomes sand inside the concrete, so it's it's like silica that's getting like trapped in the concrete structure and makes it. Uh, much less porous um and that means that the surface resists damage much more and you can polish it to a a much higher extent Um, oh cool because i hate the floor in my current workshop i really what's so bad about it um so i ground the floor in there because it was like all the paint and stuff was peeling off so i ground the floor all back to bare concrete and then painted it again and I just, I didn't do a good enough job of it. I should have like epoxy filled every square inch of this floor because it's got spalling and, and chips and stuff everywhere. Mm. And that means that it's impossible to clean. Mm-hmm. You know, like all of the dirt and shit gets in those little cracks and then you can clean all you want and it still looks like crap. And oh, I, yeah. I mean, actually, I, it's such I, a small thing, but I hate that. Ours was like that before um, we had it actually epoxied. Um, and it was mopping it made it worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, like it like highlights the the dirty spots. Yeah, you could just yeah. never get it actually clean. You were just pushing dirt around, and then right, you couldn't get it up. Yeah, it's brutal. So I I really want like you know like a, a floor made of glass. Like I want that that shit to be shiny. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Um, I am finding that our floor is quite slippery so i don't Mm. know about glass but that does make it a fuckload easier to clean though yeah absolutely so that's going to be one thing for sure and then i'm definitely going to insulate the crap out of my shop like Mm. the more insulation you can do the the more you save on electricity and i really want to use like every square inch of the roof uh for solar panels oh cool um, you know, like if I have a 1500 square foot shop and even if the roof is only the same size as the floor, which I don't think I would do, I want the roof to like significantly overhang, um, to keep moisture and stuff away from the walls, but also to give you more roof area relative to your, your floor space. Um, but yeah, I should be able to fit like over 20 kilowatts worth of solar panels on the roof of that place. And um, are you, are you really looking for 1500 square feet? I'm looking to build 1500. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so the properties you're looking at, you're not, you don't care if they've got a, a garage or a, not, a shop not space. Not really. No. I mean, it's nice if there is something there because then you know that at some point it got permitted for that. Right. <laughs> so it's probably less of an issue to expand it. Um, but no, we're not looking for a place that has a 1500 square foot shop. It's, it's <laughs> right. Cause that would be even like a two car garage is like what? like 600 square feet i saw exactly one i've seen exactly one place that had a shop that i could have just moved into it was a four-car garage attached to a three-bay truck garage oh um it was big and it clearly been set up by someone that like knew what they were doing and was working on you know big equipment probably trucks and and Mm -hmm. um jet skis and shit um jet skis snowmobiles um yeah jet skis um and yeah that everyone wanted that place that place went for so much more than it was listed for and it went quick yeah that's the that's the dream Um, yeah i mean the problem is though you know that was all um like stick frame you know two by four construction no real insulation of any kind um 
it was two separate roof heights because one part was the car garage and one part was a truck garage. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of things that weren't ideal about it, but it would have been sweet just to be able to boom, chuck the machines in there. Off you go. The, the problem is like when I think whenever you move the machines in, that's it. <laughs> like you're not going to like tear it down and then rebuild it once you've got the machines in, you know what I mean? Like, right. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I guess I never, I guess I didn't picture you actually like building the, the shop, like I'd the actual structure. To build a shop. That would be, I would that would be, to build a shop. yeah, that's a different story. And I want to do it to like such a stupid overkill level. Like, yeah. Like I thought you were talking about repour, like pouring a concrete pad or something like that for your machine in a garage or something. No. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, obviously that shit costs money, but that, that is what I would like to do. Um, I've, I don't know. For some reason, I really dislike the way that most structures are made these days. Like they're strong enough just you know and you set fire to them they'll just fall over um i kind of want to build a place that's like concrete block with rebar running down inside the blocks into the slab and then all of the concrete blocks filled with concrete afterwards you want to build a tornado Um, shelter yeah basically (laughs) i want to build the place you go when the apocalypse happens and (laughs) it just happens to be full of awesome machine tools you know yeah yeah, to make zombie nice. killing weapons dude i'm the person you see i'm the armorer I, yeah well if that happens i mean i'll be the first to go but perfect um, oh you would be the first to join us you'll be the first to, to go yeah why is that are you just really slow or what uh you know that's that whole thing sounds like a lot of work to me <laughs> just be like surviving. ah i'm surviving just, hard enough already yeah yeah, yeah. no good. i'll definitely be i'll definitely be hopping in the car and coming your way there you go perfect we've talked about this the, there's i'm sure i feel like we've fetishized the, the <laughs> zombie uh apocalypse on this podcast before <laughs> uh i don't think i'm gonna fetishize it because i don't know i've i've been really interested in like chemistry and stuff recently and when you start looking into that stuff. You're like, wow, we really do depend on a lot of other people making shit for us to be able to really do anything at all. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, than, like, I could totally just burn wood in my, in my, but like once you've burned all the wood on your, on your property, then you're just going to have to fight somebody else for their wood. You know what I mean? <laughs> like shit's just going to go bad real quick. Yeah. If you want to make anything too, like where do you get the stuff? McMaster exactly. will be, I mean, McMaster will still probably be going actually <laughs> i would love that mcmaster's like the one corporation that survives the zombie apocalypse <laughs> yeah uh this is it. it's two day delivery now so the next day <laughs> or they just tie a bunch of zombies together and put your put your packages on them yeah oh that's actually a good idea so, uh zombie fedex zombie express yeah go. um i'm trademarking that right now nobody <laughs> yeah we had um uh, Rodney also wrote in and said that his goal for the next two years is to grow his business and expand his knife making from a hobby to a business and then start running a three, one split. So he's going to do like three months of cabinetry and custom kitchens and stuff. And then a, a one month break where he works on, on custom knives and, and building to kind of his specs. And he said, just, just because it allows like better focus on both areas and, and some different stuff, you know? Like that's that's his um, his other job, I guess so. Yeah, doing carpentry yeah. during the day, and then that's a wise that's a wise way to start uh, going. Yeah, towards uh, full time. Yeah, it really. Yeah, we've talked about this before, but doing doing your uh, small business as a full time is it's a it's a difficult life at times. Mm-hmm. Yep. I worked till four in the morning the other night. <laughs> yeah. I was you on a roll keep, though. Keep all your fingies attached. All right, buddy. Yeah. No, I was good. I was good. Um, good. I had to, I had to remake that guitar that, uh, Oh, right. Scrap. The one that you scrap. screwed up. I hope yeah. so. Um, do you ever, do you ever do that? I, sometimes I just can't stop. I just, I didn't even notice the time. 
Yeah, I used to be more like that. I feel like I'm old now and I have less energy. Yeah, so it hurts the next day. I'm, like, I'm gonna go. But I still, I it invigorates me. I felt I actually got yeah. home. I, I think I got home around three thirty or four, and I stayed up a little longer. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm not ready to go to bed. I think that's gonna come back once I'm once I've got the shop next to the house for sure. Because then. You know, like right now I have to like walk home and right. I had the car, and, so you know, make fun. dinner and, and all that kind of shit. Right. Whereas I think if the shop's right next to the house, then I'll be like, oh, I'm kind of tired and hungry. And so I'll go into the house and have dinner or whatever. And then I'll get a second wind and end up back out of the shop till God knows. When, yeah, right? that's that is what I did. So, yeah, yeah like yeah. I, I um, re-energized myself. Yeah. I didn't even drink coffee. Yeah. You know, it's a huge deal, though, having that. I've been thinking more and more about how nice this is going to be, you know, theoretically at least, right? Once I spend all of my money building a workshop. Um, you know, just because, yeah, you do have that flexibility. Like sometimes in the middle of the day, I don't know about you, but I'll just, I'll get into a spot where I'm just, I'm staring at a wall. I'm not being productive. Mm-hmm. It'd be really nice to just be like, fuck it. I'm just going to go like lie in a hammock or something for a half hour, read a book or whatever. And, and like give yourself that time to, to reset and then come back to it when you're that good. Nice. You know? Yeah. 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 It's, I don't know. In some ways, I think, especially when you're working for yourself, having that, it's both good and bad. Having that separation between home and work, I think is good, but it doesn't necessarily let you flow as naturally as you might if you didn't I, have a strong separation. Yeah, I guess the argument is if you're if your home if your home is your work, then you never feel at home. You always yeah, feel like yeah. you're at work, which I I yeah. can understand that. Um, what about if you just do it the other way then? If your work is your home, then you're always at home. <laughs> True. Easy. I mean that's a that's a glasses half uh, full mentality. Yeah, you know, I've I've worked from home uh, for a pretty long period of time. And yeah, I didn't like it at the time. But I think I'm more disciplined now. And I think I'm also less less hard on myself. You know, like there are going to be times when you're at the shop or at the office or whatever and you're unproductive. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's more productive just to lean into that and go and relax so that you can be productive later. You know, I, I think there's a bit of a a cult mentality about like you have to be working you have to you have to look like you're working yes i really dislike that that does suck i mean when there's stuff to do it's kind of shitty like to feel like you're not just accomplishing it yeah um but yeah the only other thing though is you know there's that saying things at rest stay at rest and it's like if you take a if you like go to lay in that hammock (laughs) <laughs> maybe it's going to re-energize you or maybe you're just going to not get up out of that hammock for a little longer than you planned. And then maybe yeah, you're not you as know, productive. So that's about, that's realistically, about personal discipline. Yeah. And I mean, realistically, I really want to work to the point. I want to work in the direction where if I get in the hammock and I stay in the hammock, it's fine. Right. You know, I think that's probably the goal. Like I want to be doing you know, working on knives, doing other shit because I want to, not because I'm like forcing myself to, you know? Um, yeah. I think that's ultimately what's, what's driving us as small business owners anyways. Like, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Really? I'm not I mean, doing I, this for the money. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I did people have said to me too before be like, Oh, that must be so nice to like make your own hours. I was like, yeah, like, I make my hours. Longer than everybody else's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 12, 14, 16 hours a day. Yeah. Super nice. Um, but yeah, and I've done that for day, a long time and I just don't want to anymore. You know? Yeah. And I'm, an eight hour day these days, I'll, you know, feels short, which is not, yeah. it's kind of nice. I've like trained myself to, to work really long, hard hours. And then now that I've got like a family, I'm not doing mm. that regularly. Like I'll do my two work late nights and uh, you know, a week and I'm even hoping to dial that back to, you know, just make my work life balance better. And th- these days just fly by those, those yeah. eight, eight and a half hour days. Um, yeah. I mean, I really, really want to get to the point where, you know, my actual work day, the stuff that I have to do 
is like four hours or less, you know, and I think it's totally possible with the right machines and the right automation. And then the rest of the time, you know, like I want to build rockets and race cars and I don't know, whatever else I can, I can think of, you know, more crazy shit to make the, the workshop better. Um, yeah, I feel like we as a society undervalue creativity and having that room for creativity. And I think a lot of it comes from not feeling like you have to work every fucking minute and be productive, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I, I, you do too, but I feel like I work in a pretty creative um, industry environment. So. I, but I think I've gotten less creative because we, I mean, we were talking about this a bit after our last session, how we've kind of trained ourselves um, into the ability to just work on something to get shit done, even though the process isn't right, even though, you know. Right. I it's think easier that, to do that sometimes to just keep slogging away than it is to change the way you're doing it to make it more efficient. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and I think that change, that improvement comes from like a creative place. And if if you've kind of had, you know, we've all met those people that are like working a job where they've just had the creative creativity beaten out of them. You know, <laughs> they just, they, they hate their, their life. You know, they don't right. want to be creative. And yeah, I think it's easy to fall into that spot when you're, especially when you're working in your own small business. You know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, we definitely have gone through phases where, you know, if we're talking about creativity in terms of like, um, enhancing or you know um, uh, figuring out new processes to make life easier better you know yeah uh, that's that's a cool uh, creative task um, mm-hmm. and we've we'll go through phases where we don't do anything like that for months and then all of a sudden get this get these ideas and go we have to do it now yeah and yeah we're actually, I, I, I'm feeling that in the shop right now. People Good. have been here, like the guys working here have been here long enough. Um, we, you know, we're used to changing things up pretty frequently. You know, every few months moving a shelf or, you know, adding a, a workstation. And it's been, right. it's been that sort of uh, amount of time between doing that where it's like people are starting to get antsy. I can feel it. We're talking about it. We're like, let's fucking do something about this corner. I hate this corner. Right. Fuck the shelf. <laughs> right. So I think yep. uh, we're going to, we, we, we talked about this on the show, but like we're, we're doing a meeting one, like at least, uh, I mean, at least once a month, but I think we're talking about trying to do it like on Fridays, every Friday, like mm-hmm. uh, everybody brings something to the table, sort of these, these lean improvements. So we have that coming up. Um, hopefully nice. this Friday we'll, we'll talk about doing something and then actually do it. Uh, one of the guys here awesome. has had a little bit of free time just because it's been slow in his department. He's been actually drawing out and designing um, some uh, like uh, shelving and f- like uh, pegboards for uh, the workstations. Right, right. Nice. Because the, the nice thing about these workstations is they're like kind of purpose made. Like they're they're very singular. You know, you kind of do right. like half a dozen jobs at them so you can right. you don't have a ton of tools so it can be very minimalist yeah very like airplane garage yeah. kind of thing yeah. and that's the dream like i would love to have a one station for every task and you've got all your tools there you don't touch you don't go near that station unless you're working on that one thing that's that's what i think it'd be really really cool that's what i want to do with uh vmcs one one mil per per product you know, per uh, material. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other reason I want to do that is just honestly to, I want to start recycling more stuff in house. Like I want to start taking all my G10 chips and like mixing them with some epoxy and casting them into like crazy weird looking G10 blocks, you know, to, to reuse them. hundred percent recycled. With, That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to do the same thing with steel too. Like I want to be able to melt that shit down and make more steel. So you can't do that if you're mixing all your waste streams. So that's my justification. Anyway, that's why I need five VMCs. Yeah. (laughs) And 1500 square feet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want another Haas. Yeah. You're happy with it. I mean, I don't know any other, you know, machine tools to like, 
like mills. Like I've got my axes machine. I wouldn't buy another one of those, not knocking (laughs) it, but I'm just, that's, that's not, you know, not the right tool. Yeah. It's not the right, not, not the ideal tool. Um, what, you know, did you ever hear back from Doosan? Because I know there's like Paul Reed Smith guitars uses Doosan machines. Like Mills man, let's let's machine. not talk about Doosan. No, I never fucking heard back from them. That's a bummer because they were, yeah. you know, another option. I mean, I I would just get another Haas. Yes, I ultimately am happy with it. Um, right. Despite the you know few quirks I've encountered, uh, right. I would. It's the nice thing about it. I mean, this would this would go for any male if I'd gotten a Doosan or a Herco or something. I don't know, but like, you can just like sort of uh, copy and paste. What do you I, mean? I, like, I would take this exact setup that I've got and just redo it on a second machine, double my yeah, 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 yeah. Output. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, well, I mean, so uh, you're going to be coming to my shop sometime in the next little while to design and program and machine your first parts from from nothing to done which is exciting and yeah you'll get to run another control then that'll be cool yeah 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 i'm uh i'm tackling uh really learning fusion fusion 360 cad cam um i've done i have done some designs like i have had fusion 360 like the, the the trial software Um, and I've let it lapse, but I did design some parts and did actually machine them on our axes machine, but, um, I didn't keep that up, you know, I need to, yeah, right. Um, hone that skill or practice it. So, cause I want to start machining more stuff on the, it's 100%, uh, uh, like a perishable skill, you know, it's like riding a bike or something like even, even for me, like I don't do that much prototype work and I'm, I'm so much slower that at it than the guys that are like, you know, in a job shop or something. Right. Like I swear to, you know, I know that they develop their own systems. They have like sets of tooling and stuff they use for different materials. They probably have like, uh, you know, like John Saunders proven cut library they probably have like libraries of of cutting parameters that they just reuse Mm -hmm. um you know maybe they're not super fast but they know they work you know whereas for me i don't have any of that stuff set up you know because all of the stuff i do tends to be so different so and i don't do that much prototype machining so when i have to do it i'm not fast i'm really not fast i get the job done but i'm not fast right yeah i mean that experience would be huge uh like i mean job shop that's gotta be a difficult but really fascinating job yeah i honestly for me i think the worst part of it would be that i have no you wouldn't know what these things are for (laughs) like um you're just making widgets for people and then you never see the end of it it's cool yeah i i find um so I don't know if you follow uh, Nicholas Hacker Watchmaker I on do. Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So they have a, a, a sub company, a sister company called NH Micro, mm-hmm. where they're doing like aerospace and defense and scientific machining to like super crazy tolerances. And those look like super fun projects. Like some scientist or physicist comes to you and they're like, we're making a machine that has to do this crazy thing, you know, and we need help with these parts. Right. That sounds fun. I would have a lot of fun with that. I, I like high tolerance stuff to the tolerances we, we work within, you know, like in terms right. of woodworking, we worked within high tolerances. Um, that shit is insane and super cool. Yeah, I think that's yeah, like half micron kind of tolerances. Yeah. Well, like, but I mean, I think it gets less scary once you have, you know, some experience with it and also like tools and metrology equipment designed with that in mind. Like if you were trying to machine something to a micron in your shop, you're going to have a hell of a time. You know, you've got calipers and no climate control and wood dust everywhere, right? Like, yeah. it's, I have climate it's the right environment. Uh, yeah, sure you do. Maybe not uh, within 1%. One degree Celsius. Well, yeah. yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I think that uh, that would almost be, it's like incredibly frustrating. <laughs> trying to chase such high tolerances right. i guess you know you're not making like that it's probably not production parts like you're not trying to hold that tolerance or you know 
consistently right, right, right. over 50 parts. a thousand parts yeah 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 but that's what i mean uh swiss machinists do mm-hmm. maybe not quite to that tolerance but yeah maybe not yeah i I, 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 I don't know i just i love making stuff things you know not not just widgets but like things that do a job i oh, see yeah tools, yeah i guess yeah Yes. Yeah. So I don't necessarily have to be making stuff that's like super close tolerance. I just, you know, right. like the quench press is is super fun. Uh, one of the next projects I want to tackle is making liquid nitrogen in right. the shop. Um, you know, Sounds so like for that, I'm going to have yourself up. No, liquid nitrogen's pretty safe, except for the asphyxiation. You can totally asphyxiate yourself. But that's um, one of your kinks. So <laughs> perfect. I mean, just kill two beds with one stone. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that you know that that's even right now for me to get liquid nitrogen in the shop is it's expensive, and then you know you're always run out of it at the worst possible time, and then I don't have a car, so like going and getting more is a total pain in the ass. Yeah, I could pay for delivery and shit, but whatever. Soon I'm going to be in the country where it's going to be like impossible or very impractical to get it. So make it, you know. Sure. Um. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I'm enjoying that. That is very cool. It's going to be a cool video that actually, because the, the process is actually much simpler than you would imagine. Basically, all you're doing is like um, separating oxygen and nitrogen and then getting rid of moisture and carbon dioxide from it. So you end up with a nitrogen stream and then compressing that a ton. So you compress it to like 1200 PSI and then cool it down. Uh, you know, back to ambient or below ambient. And then when you expand it again through a nozzle, the expansion makes the uh, the gas chill down. Right. And you basically use that effect to chill the incoming gas and it becomes this little regenerative loop until, you, you know, a portion of the gas that's expanding gets so cold that it turns to a liquid. And then that's how do it. you contain that? Uh, you just make sure that it's dropping into like a vacuum flask. Okay. Um, so you end up with cold gas and liquid nitrogen. Crazy. Um, Who figured yeah, this so out? I mean, oh, it's, it's super easy in theory. We'll see how it works out when I right. try to put it into practice. But um, the interesting thing is I haven't seen anybody on YouTube making liquid nitrogen using this technique. I've seen people making it using uh, cryo coolers where you basically have like a mechanical system that makes a a bit of metal really cold and then you just put nitrogen gas on the metal and it turns to liquid. Oh, okay. But that's cheating. <laughs> you want to do it it's the cheating. real way. I want to do it the lab way. grade liquid nitrogen. <laughs> no, it's all the same, but the, those cryo coolers, unless you manage to get one on eBay that is still in working shape, they're like thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, so yours is the budget version. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, well, we'll see. I, I just shit like that. I I really like doing stuff like that, and I want my my you know week to week to be more of that kind of stuff. So um, crazy yeah. mad scientist shit. Yeah. Hi, I'm Aaron. I just moved in next door. Uh, this is I make liquid nitrogen in knives. <laughs> uh, don't forget that I'll be like making rocket motors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a fun one. I'm going to have to find some neighbors that don't mind loud noises. Well, if you insulate your shop. Oh, do you mean like yeah. exploding rockets into your in your backyard? Yeah. So I know exactly what you were going to say. And that's kind of what I'm thinking about doing. I'm thinking about maybe burying a shipping container like underneath a big pile of dirt next to the workshop. So that I basically have like a, a bunker where I can, you know, test shit like rocket engines and whatever. And if slash when they explode, there are no issues. <laughs> That's an interesting idea. But uh, no, I was going to say just like the general machine noise. Like how rural uh, are you no. going? Um, you know, like we'll have a couple of acres. Okay. So you got you want to go fairly rural, not like in yeah. town. No, no, no. Because like the, the issue is unless you go to rural, like your zoning has to be rural or rural residential or there's variations of that like sometimes they call it country residential or whatever um unless you have that zoning then you can't legally run a home industry like you can't run a machine shop on your property 
So you need specific zoning to be able to do what I want to do. Right. Yeah, it's got to so be. Of course, that makes life harder looking for houses. Yeah. So I know because I thought about it. It's like I, my house doesn't have a garage, but there's mm. a parking spot that off an alley. Like I mm-hmm. could put a shed big enough here, like to put make a little shop. But could yeah, I absolutely could I use that shop? Like, could I put a like a a mini mill in it? legally uh, yes i think so as long as it's not a business yeah mini mill like a Haas mini mill yeah 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 sure just chuck her in there but why can't it be a, a business <laughs> yeah rules i don't know why they make them well on that note <laughs> yes we should wrap it up yeah. You need to go get to work, don't you? I do. Yeah. Not for not uh, not going to stay too late tonight. Yeah. Keep all your fingers attached, bud. And yes, lovely to speak with you. Lovely speaking with everybody as usual. Keep sending us your goals for this year. It's been very cool to hear that other people other than us have goals. Yes, I wish we'd got to more of those. Those are cool. Uh yeah, there's a couple more we'll get to and yeah, we've we've always got more stuff to talk about. I like to leave it on a a note where we've got more to talk about. So it's good. So that way, you know, you hook the listener. That's right. Yeah. It's the uh, podcast equivalent of crack. (laughs) Right. Uh, All right, buddy. Beautiful. All right. We'll see you later. We'll see everybody else later. I'll see you in two weeks. Bye. See ya.